Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and today we'll be looking ahead to four of the matches being played this weekend in Ligue 1, beginning the 30th of August 2019. We'll also address the recent Champions League group stage draw, and of course, Dédé Deschamps' recent squad announcement for Les Blues' upcoming matches against Albania and Andorra. I'm joined once again by Thomas Wiseman, GFFN's favourite Onji fan. I might need to get that made into a jingle quite soon. Uh, we won't be covering Onji's hosting of Dijon this episode, but quickly, Thomas, I want your opinion on Ryan Ait Nuri. What can you tell me about him? What have you thought of him so far? Yeah, um, he's really the first prospect to come out of the Onji Academy. Um, he's 18 years old. He's not even started five professional league games and he's been called up to the under-21s uh, by Stefan Rupal. So I think that sums up really. Hugely talented left-back. Yeah, he's been impressive so far. Getting a couple of assists as well. Today, we'll also get to enjoy the company of Jake Smells, who will be making his debut on the GFFN preview show today. Now, Jake, a little birdie tells me that you're a fan of US Cuvier-Ruon Metropole. Uh, how on earth did that come about? I lived in the lovely city of Rouen during the 2016-17 season uh, when uh, Kevier Rouen had a good run in the Coupe de France um, and they played Gangomp, I think, in the round of 16 at home and it was my first live game of uh, French football and uh, I was in the, in the away end with the uh, Gangomp fans because the home section had sold out and it was uh, a feisty affair and you could say I've been hooked ever since. So, uh, yeah. Who won? Uh, Gangomp, unfortunately, they were they were two 0 up for most of the match, and then um, Rouen got a late goal. But the um, the yeah the the main reason was definitely the the atmosphere. The the Gangomp fans were were a bit too much, but the Rouen fans were excellent hosts. Awesome. So let's get on to the football. Ten games were played between last Friday and Wednesday as the G7 Summit, hosted in the southwest of France, forced a few fixtures to be tossed around. Despite the shake-ups, Marseille, Lille and Montpellier all managed to come out with some miraculous points in midweek as they brushed past Nice, Saint-Étienne and Lyon. PSG also got in on the action with a 4-0 drubbing of Toulouse, although it wasn't as easy as the final scoreline may suggest. Monaco and Nîmes served up a stunner as the pair drew 2-2 in the Principality. Nantes left it late to beat Amiens and Brest got their first win of the latest league on tenure as Gaetan Chabonnet's shoulder edged them past ramps. Let's move on to our first match of the episode. Quite a tasty affair coming up this weekend is Rennes versus Nice. The away side, Nice, they were quite poor at home to Marseille in midweek. You know, Nice, I feel, have always had quite a, a good reputation, at least under Patrick Vieira of being quite good at home and come up against a, a Marseille side that have been less than convincing in recent weeks. Thomas, should this have been a match they really should have been winning? Yeah, it was an interesting uh, battle between the two teams. I think Nice have just have, have waited really for the for the uh, Ineos takeover um, to really get on with get on with transfers. Um, so it's sort of been they've had they've had. Um, quite good wins but uh, I think this is a real turnaround for them and uh, with the new signs they've already brought in in the last few days um, they look to probably push on uh, it was it was a good result for Marseille 
um, something they, that Vias Boas really needed to take uh, some of the pressure off his shoulders. Uh, we'll see how they go from there. Yeah, you you touched on it briefly there that Nice recently got bought over by Ineos. You know, brand new owners coming into the club. I think it was estimated around a hundred million euro bid uh, to win over the club. Do you think the pressure of the new owners looking down on the pitch, do you think that affected their performance here, Jake? I think it definitely would have had an impact. Um, I think especially for the attacking players, for example, um, the likes of um, Ignatius Ganago, who's had such a, such a decent start to the season. You know, I think he's looked really dynamic um, so far. And with the players that the club's being linked with, um, and have already signed, you know, even just today, Casper Dolberg and um, Alexis Claude Maurice. Um, um, these these players are going to be coming in and and taking these attacking positions. And I think Nice looked a little bit blunt in attack. You know, they we all know that they struggle to score goals from open play. I think all the all five of their goals are from um, have come from dead ball situations. So I think um, I think possibly these rumours would have been in the heads of the players and and. Uh, it's safe to say that a lot of players in that team, at least in that eleven, won't be safe uh, with the reported uh, players that are going to be coming in now that the money's here. Yeah, so they have already made some signings following that match, most notably being Alexis Claude Maurice, who's coming from Ligue 2. He was with Lorient. And also Casper Dolberg, who's come from Holland when he was playing with Ajax. Dolberg wasn't playing as central a role in Ajax's Champions League run last season, but he was very prominent in their Europa League run a couple of years ago. They went to the final and lost against Manchester United. If I asked before this transfer period what Nice needed, what would you have said? Jake, let's start with you. Oh, absolutely. A, a, a striker. And I think um, a player of this sort of profile is exactly the sort of player that they needed. Someone who's got um, experience playing in international competitions. You know, he still featured a little bit in the Champions League last year, even if he didn't really make an impact because he wasn't being used too much. But he, um, he's got experience in, interna- in uh, international club competitions at international level. Um, he's still young and there's still a lot of potential, even if it didn't quite work out at the end of his time at Ajax. And um, he'll most definitely be the, um, the focal point and um, something that they very much needed since the departure of Balotelli, really. Thomas, what do you think? Do you think these are the, the guys that they really need or is there other business to be done at Nice? Yeah, I completely agree, really, with Dahlberg. I mean, last season they didn't have any real recognised striker. Um, just relying on Sat Maximin and, and Atal to produce something, um, which is always worrying. Um, <laughs> and it was it was really the defensive efforts and the masterclass of, uh, of Walter Benitez that, that really... Um, mm made them finish so high up um, and obviously Vieira is a, a crucial part to how Nice really um, push on from here because he's, he's he's worked magic really with that with that kind of squad um, so hopefully with these with these new signings um, we'll, we'll now see what Vieira really can do um, once, he, once he has uh, the right players it looks like do you think this Nice side could really be quite the, the force to be reckoned with if they were given a little bit more investment? Of course, so far, or ahead of the Marseille match, at least, they didn't have many players added to the team. I think it was just one youth player coming from Monaco. Do you think with a little bit of investment and Vieira still at the helm, do you think this Nice side could go quite far this season? What do you think of that, Jake? Definitely. I think, um, I think you know, pre-season predictions, although... 
at the time, I'm sure, were taken with a bit of a pinch of salt because we've all known this has been coming for a while, might be adjusted now. They, um, uh, it kind of depends how quickly these new signings gel um, and who else is brought in. I know they're being linked with, um, well, a set apparently to sign um, Adam Unas from um, Napoli, who, of course, a lot of people know from his time at Bordeaux, um, who, again, is another kind of a, another um, technical winger, another, an attacking midfielder, another player who can, can bring quality to that attack. Um, it depends on how quickly these guys settle in, but you know I definitely expect to see them scoring more goals than than last uh, than last season. So you know, with if these players can can gel and you know settle into the league quickly, then I think um, I think can, we can expect a slight improvement on last year. Um, it might be a longer process. I know that um, Bob Ratcliffe, who is Jim Ratcliffe's brother, um, who kind of works on the with the football side of things. Uh, with regards to Ineos, was saying that the team's aim is to be uh, consistently qualifying more or less for the Champions League in in three to five years, um, and uh, in mostly investing in youth development and the academy. So they might not be, you know, league winners anytime soon, but they they'll definitely I definitely expect a decent run this season from them, a, a decent finish, and and even better things in the years to come. So they do have lofty ambitions. Let's quickly just play a little bit. Of, what, what was it? The Price is Right? What was that old show where you do higher and lower? <laughs> so, so, so they finished. They finished seventh last season. Thomas, higher or lower? Uh, higher. Jake. Higher. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. probably agree with you. I'll probably say higher as well. I think they'll probably just just finish outside the top four. Yeah. Um, a player that returned to the squad uh, against Marseille in midweek was Youssef Attal, the Algerian. Very important right back, some would call him a right winger, but a very important player for Nice last season. He missed the, the first couple matches with a shoulder injury that he suffered in the summer with Algeria at the Africa Cup of Nations. But he came on with around about 25 minutes ago and instantly won a corner and instantly caused problems do you think they'll be really glad to have him back in the team now in place of Patrick Burner what do you think about this Thomas yeah for sure I mean last season it was like I mentioned it was him and uh, Alan Saint-Maximin um, who were the, the only real attacking outlets yeah. um, I think they're, they're happy to keep him for another season there was rumours he was um, touted to go to a lot of uh, a lot of different European clubs. I think Spurs was one of them that was uh, mentioned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's a, a big player for them, and they're happy to keep him on and and hopefully another great season from from Atal. Really, it's um, interesting to see how um, he'll he'll fit in with the, the other new signings uh, that that do that well are are coming in um, almost certainly. Um, but I expect him to have another another great season. Really. What do you think is his best position? Because he did float about a couple of positions last year. Do you know? Do you prefer him as an attacking fullback or more of a winger, Jake? I prefer him uh, as a fullback, definitely. I just think he offers something really interesting and unique from that position um, um, compared to certainly the other options at the club and a lot of the other options in the league. Um, you know, we know how important the fullback is in the game in an attacking sense. Now, just look at, at Liverpool. Um, uh, and their Champions League run and their recent success. Um, I think, you know, he's going to be a really, really um, important player for for Nice and for wherever he goes beyond Nice and the price that he moves for. And I think at fullback or wingback, as he's played at times when Vieira's used the back three, is, is the position that I'm most excited to see him 
develop into because you know I think he can he can do some do some special things from there. Let's go into their opponents in this match, which will be Wren. They'll be the home side. They've had an electric start to the season, and they're the only club to have won each of their three matches so far this campaign. They sit top, and despite a tough start, you know, with, with trips to Montpellier and, and battling against Strasbourg and, of course, PSG, Thomas, they've really shone so far, haven't they? Yeah, um, they've been they've been really exciting. Obviously, Camavinga's uh, really the, the star of the, the show at, at, at Rennes. Um, against uh, Strasbourg, it was the, the scoreline did really flatter um, to deceive. Um, it the, it was really just Edouard Mendy's performance that, mm. that got them that 2 0 win. Um, obviously, saved the penalty from, I think it was Martin. Um, but uh, I think Strasbourg should have at least got a point of that out of that game. Uh, they had a lot of good chances that they did produce, but it was um, it was slightly lucky from from Ren to get through that with with three points. Um, still a, a good start to the season, but um, caveated by the the, uh, the game on the weekend, really. So you've already broken a golden rule I had for this, Thomas. You know my next point, literally, <laughs> my my next line starts with we're not going to talk about Camavinga. We did it last season, and we did it the week before. So you, you know, you know, I'll, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. But let, <laughs> let's talk name. about their, his centre mid partner, Benjamin Burijo. You know, looking back at stats for a centre mid, he's got twenty one goals in ninety six appearances for Rennes. Do you think he's unlucky to be French in a generation that has so many fantastic midfield options for that national team? What do you think about this, Jake? I think you can you can definitely there's definitely an argument there. Um I think he worry of another nationality, maybe he'd be getting a bit more hype because presumably there'd be um there'd be, you know, international call ups or at least speculation of the sort, whereas he doesn't really get a look in. I think um after Benjamin Andre, who's obviously left the side now, he was probably Ren's most underrated player. And I think a lot of that is down as well to his tactical versatility, you know, because a lot of the time we've seen him in the past play as a wide midfielder and as a winger. But he really, you know, in that midfield three that we've seen him in with um, with Grenier and with uh, Camavinga so far this season, I think he's looked he's looked really, really good going forward. And, um, you know, I think we can we can expect a, a very good season from uh, Bojo for sure. So Ren have picked up quite a bit of momentum but do you think they have what it takes to keep that momentum going? You know, it's a, it's a young head coach in Julian Stefan. He's only 38. Do you think they have the, the setup, the squad and the manager and the coaching staff to keep this momentum going, Thomas? Or do you think it's all going to come crashing down in a few weeks' time? Hmm. Yeah, it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I see them finishing top, really. Um, <laughs> but to... I think they finished, what was it, ninth last year? It was relatively mid-table. Yeah, um, Obviously, they did have the, the Europa League run, but they do have um, sort of a, a better a better squad than before. They've you know, added additions. You know, Flavian Tay's come in, and they've kept Niang on, um, on a permanent. Um, they've got a better keeper now in, in, in Mendy. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real steady progression from Ren. Um, as... I suppose, sort of in the past, they've sort of been a, a little bit up, um, up and down, really. But mm. it's um, they got Stefan in. I don't see any um, any risk to his his job um, at Ren. So they've, they've they've brought in some good good players. Um, Niang has looked 
um, completely different to the the player who was yeah. a flop at the uh, Africa Cup of Nations. He was terrible, um, really, really, really um, poor for for Senegal. But he's exploded this season, um, and uh, it looks like he could he could lead the line with uh, Ferran. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So let's get your score prediction for this one, Thomas. What do you think this one's going to finish? Yeah, I think it'll be a, a well draw. Jake? I'm going to go for a 1-0 victory for Wren. I just think until we start seeing those uh, Ineos signings um, blooded into the squad, I think I think I fancy Wren for, for this game. Yeah, I know you mean. I think it's going to be the type of, of match where Nice are just going to chuck Dolberg and, and uh, Murray straight into the starting lineup, and they'll need a bit of time to adapt, uh, mm-hmm. especially with Maurice coming up a division. I think this one's going to finish either like 2 1 or 1 0 to Ren. I think it'll be close, but I do think Ren will get the victory here. Let's move on to the next match of the episode, which will be Marseille versus San Etienne, a, a clash between two of France's most successful clubs throughout history. Thomas, you, you touched on it earlier about Andre Villas-Boas and how he must just be so glad to get those first three points out of the way. Do you think this is a bit of a turning point for Marseille? Do you think they could go on a bit of a run now following that win? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, not as I'm not too confident about their um, projections for the, the season as a whole, but this is at least something of the first win to really... Um, start of the season fairly and pretty dreadful um, for the first two games. Weren't particularly impressive um, against uh, an, a Nice side that were, were, weren't were great either. Um, but it's good that, obviously, Benedetto gets his first goal. Um, after that, I mean, a terrible penalty um, that he missed. Which <laughs> um, is a really good finish by Benedetto as well. He, it's strange how he finished that and but somehow scared that penalty. Um, but obviously, it was a... It was a a win of three points. Uh, VS Boas has lifted some of the pressure off him and the players. Um, I think he's still frustrated that they don't have actually any money to spend. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, there's at least something there for, for Marseille fans to be uh, hopeful about. Yeah, Valas Boas was complaining about that in midweek, wasn't he? He was, he was saying that there's just literally nothing to spend. There, yeah. there, there, is, there is no <laughs> money to, yeah. to plunge into the team, which must be quite frustrating do you think they have a squad as it is right now to really do things this season, Jake? Or do you think it'll be quite disappointing again for them? I think on paper they've they've definitely got one of the the better few squads in the league, at least from a for a first eleven. You know, um, I think that you know when do you think that they've still got um, Torvan to come back, who's so important for them. Um, Payet, when he's on form, can be unbelievable. Unfortunately, he's not been on form for in form for you know at, at least a year, but. We know that he's got it in his tank. Um, I think they definitely have the potential to do something. And I think that in part has helped as well by the improvement we've seen so far this season from uh, Steve Mondonda, who's looked a little bit more consistent than he did yeah. last season. Um, and Jordan Amavi as well, I've been a bit impressed with, especially in the in the Nantes game. I thought he was decent. And, you know, he's one who, when he's good, is, is really, really good and important for Marseille, I think, as he was in that, um, the, um, 17 18 season, but um, whether or not he'll find any real consistency remains to be seen. Um, and I think I just think overall, there's not enough depth there, um, to really kind of you know challenge at the top level. I'm not sure that they are a team who are capable of going on a on a run. 
um, or at least a run that you know can take them into serious contention this season for the Champions League places at least. Jake, do you think that Benedetto is a, a good enough player to replace Balotelli? Oh, I, based off of Balotelli's form for Marseille, I'm not convinced entirely. You know, um, Benedetto will no doubt still take some time to adapt to the league, um, having never played in Europe before. Um, there is the argument, obviously, that he's used to playing in an atmosphere, in a fierce atmosphere like the Velodrome from when yeah. he was at Boca. But I think it will take him a little bit more time to get going. And I'm I'm not sure he's the kind of personality necessarily to 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 drag the team by the scruff of the neck like uh, Balotelli did a, a few times in sort of January to March um, um, last season. Um, but in terms of goal tally, you know, that remains to be seen. He's got a decent scoring record for, for Boca. And I think he can definitely be, you know, the best or most consistent number nine they've had for for a while, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was quite unlucky to miss that penalty in literally his first match with you know with a team like Marseille, which has just got such an aggressive fan base. I think the relief on his face when he scored that goal, it was just like, right, thank goodness, right, I'm not going to get yeah. a stick that I got after that penalty. I can just calm down. It's it's almost as if Benedetto and Villas Boas have like started in the same vein. They both started very poorly. And now they've finally got their good thing out of the way and then they can they can try and build on that. It'll be funny if they kind of uh, create a little partnership this season, maybe. Go yeah. to lunch and whatnot. Uh, Thomas, who do you think will be Marseille's key man this season? Oof, that's a tricky one. Because um... I, I was thinking it had to be... Because I actually think he played quite well um, in the last match, Pat. I thought some of his way to pass was gorgeous. He set up a really good chance for... I think it was Morgan Sanson who had a shot from point black range and he did do some mm, nice things. Yeah. And I think if he does pick up the form that he had earlier on in his Marseille career and, you know, back in West Ham and whatnot, I think he could be that that kind of, that real talisman for Marseille this season. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be. Um, but I don't, I think Pyatt's, um, like Jay said, it's not really been in form for uh, quite a while. Um, yeah. But, Somebody like uh, Bubakar Kamara, he he showed a lot of. He was a really good uh, player for them last season. Um, mm-hmm. He he did perform quite well. He's still very young, but if you look in that in that back line, who's there's not any real uh, leads of the team. Obviously, Rami has left and um, is now at Galatasaray. Obviously, Rolando's there, um, but I think he's now left. Mm-hmm. So there's no real leaders in that back line. And obviously, alongside a young centre-back in uh, Chaleta Char, I think Buba Kamara uh, can really need to, to step up and and um, be be that leader in that in that squad because it, it does it does strike me as that the back line doesn't have a lot of experience um, and does have a lot of 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 nous, really. Um, but Kamara, obviously. He's a um, player that the, the fans love, and it would be great if he could um, really be the, the talisman at the back for, for that defence. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to be playing San Etienne this weekend. San Etienne should be tough opponents, but they've had a bit of a slow start to this season, haven't they? Do you think they won't do as well this season as they did last season, or do you think it's more a case of just adapting from Jean-Louis Gasset to Gilon Printond? What do you think about this, Jake? Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced by by them so far. You know, I know we're only a few games in, but I think they're a better squad than they were last season. I think they've done well to strengthen in the areas that they have. 
Um, I know they lost Nevin Subotic, but you know he was kind of on his last legs for them towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I think their biggest problems so far have been their inconsistency. You know, um, Gislain Pranton has come out and, and said that his team can't, can't play a consistent 90 minutes. And I think that's clear to see from their, their game so far. You know, um, even the, the, the first game of the season, you know, they started off like a rocket they, with those two early goals, but they've just not found that consistency. And last, in the last game against Lille, you know, that really, really showed they weren't, they weren't good enough when it counted and they were completely torn apart. And I also think that Kazri's had a quiet start and he was um, absolutely instrumental in a lot of the good work that they did last season um, under Jean-Louis Gasset, um, not just with goals, but with assists and just what he meant to that team. And I think he quite clearly is knackered after what was a very, very long season, you know, going very, very well, lots of games with Saint-Étienne and then very deep into AFCON with, uh, with Tunisia. Um, and only arriving back a few days before the season started. So unless he can can get back to as good, uh, you know, as to the level that he was he was last season for them, I think I think it's going to be a, a a difficult season for for Pranton, who you know questions were asked of him before he was appointed on um, on how suited he'd be to a job like that. Even though the players obviously wanted him in, his his previous CV isn't necessarily convincing for yeah. taking over a job as big as uh, Saint-Étienne and at the time that he, he's taking over you know with the club the club on the up I would argue uh, at least in terms of their playing personnel so it's going to be a I think it's going to be a struggle for them uh, based on what I've seen at least to have a season as good as as, as the last one. Should Loic Perrin still be a Sante starter at 34? You know, you just need to, to watch the highlights of the match, even that, <laughs> just to, to see how slow yeah. he was to get to a mm. sim hen for the, for the opener and how he was just completely ran ragged in the build-up for the third. He just, it was sad to see, kind of, but it just looked so behind the play for a player that's just been so consistent and dominant for San Etienne over yeah. the last, what, 10 years? Um, more than that, actually. Um I know that Nathan's a, a massive fan of him and always says that he should have been, <laughs> should have been the French captain and all this yeah, like, the next yeah. thing. But it was quite sad just to see how behind the game he was uh, in midweek. Do you think he should still be a, a starter or do you think San Etienne should just start taking him out of the starting eleven? What do you think about this, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, Perron's um, it's been around for, I think, it's been there for years. He must have a record of some sort. Um, but he's he's been cruelly underrated for his entire career, really. Um, but at, at Sanatien, there's not. I mean, there's there's Makudi and and Saliba. So it's a it's a big risk to just start them two centre backs. I'm not sure if they've got anybody else um, who can play at centre back apart from them two. Um, it is a big risk, and maybe that having uh, Saliba back. Just trying to integrate him, um, not integrate, but trying to um, get him up and running with Makudi. Perhaps yeah. you'll see that 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 partnership later on as as the season does go on. You see Perrin take a, a bit more of a, a step back um, onto the bench. It's a, it's a young partnership for. I think Saliba's eighteen, Makudi's twenty, twenty-one. So it's a it's a risky partnership to play. Obviously, the. the mm-hmm brand new to each other so over the course of the season you might see them to start to get used to each other and, and eventually um, be the, the starting centre-backs Yeah, there's it's almost as if there's quite the bacons of quite a good back three 
you know, with Perrin, yeah, yeah. either kind of kind of uh, flanked by Makudi or Saliba or even Kolasinac or, or something who recently yeah, just I've... signed. Yeah, what would you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think um, I think some of some of uh, Sontetien's best performances last season were, were with a back three, um, and I think you know that could be an excellent solution to the problem of um, of Perrin's aging, you know, and losing of his pace. I think um, flanked by those two youngsters, or as you say, there's also Kolasinac. I think that could be a, a potential solution to, you know, a way of keeping him in the team and, you know, what he means to that side, which, again, can't be understated, but also, you know, assuring things up defensively. Yeah, Thomas, what do you think about that? Maybe the possibility of yeah. a back three? Yeah, because you, you want, you really want Pound to be in that squad uh-huh. uh, just with experience. And he's going to teach McCudi and, and, and Saliba a, a lot there um, and covering for his, his lack of mobility now, his lack of. <laughs> Pace, you know, Saliba and, and Makudi are, are, are pretty quick players, good recovery pace on on both of them. Um, so that's really some um, exciting. Obviously, Debussy would love to uh, be a, a wing back and maraud forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do have the players. See, see, you start looking through it, you know, like a back three with those three players: Debussy on the right, potentially um, Trauco left wing back, or even yeah, someone yeah. like, like Nordan. I don't know. He's, he's a big lad, Nordan. I know he usually plays at, at winger, but I feel like he's the type of player that could be adapted yeah. to to a wing back role. Yeah, you know, there are the makings of it. It'll be quite interesting to see if they ditch this back four soon. If if you know if the results don't improve and go to that. Let's go to a score prediction. Now, what do you think this match is going to finish? Jake, let's start with you. I'm going to go 2-1 Marseille. Thomas? Uh, yeah, 2-1 Marseille. Yeah, I agree. Wow, clean sweep. I said 2-1 Marseille as well. With Benedetto <laughs> probably somewhere in amongst there. I, th- I really like what I've seen so far from him. I yeah. think he could kind of go on a wee bit of a run. Let's go on to the third match, which is going to be Mets hosting PSG. PSG won 4-0 at the weekend, but they didn't score up until the second half. Do you think the scoreline was a little bit generous on PSG in this match, Thomas? Yeah, it it, it was sort of as soon as one goal went in that Toulouse just kind of folded um, in in the match. Uh, It was was a, a... a good PSG performance. They were just it was sort of wave after wave of a of a attacking attacking pressure on Toulouse, and it was, you sort of felt since the the first whistle that that they would eventually get that goal, and and it would be sort of all over. Um, it was overshadowed by the the injuries they did get. Um, obviously, Cavani uh, went off early, and and Diallo and and Mbappe, of course, is out for I think mm. three three weeks now. Yeah. Um, but it was it was supermoting of all people to. <laughs> <laughs> and score, you know, he's, he's brilliant, brilliant first goal. Yeah, uh, and oh, Harden on it, oh my day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and with him obviously missing that horrendous chance at the back end of last season, <laughs> sort of a, a, re- a redemption for him. <laughs> yeah, but um, maybe he's the uh, the forgotten man in in PSG. Yeah. He might, he might uh, step up there. Yeah, I think he's the hero that PSG need right now. To be honest, I mean, <laughs> I mean, after the after those two goals, he's kind of, as you say, he spent a long time being derided, not just by um, by um, you know, other other fans on Twitter, but even you know, in this country, from his time in the Premier League, he's 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 just a you know con- considered a joke for much of the last couple of years. So for yeah. him to kind of silence his doubters, I know it's only to lose, but as you say, the first goal was was fantastic and with um Mbappe and Cavani out and obviously you know everything that's going on with 
um, with Neymar at the moment, it looks like he'll be uh, he'll be a lot more involved over the next few weeks. So hopefully, some a nice little confidence boost for him, and nice to get one over over the haters. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's quite interesting, you know. I feel the story's starting to open up for him. You know, Neymar's on the way out. You know, Mbappe's injured. Sarabia on one side, Di Maria on the other, you know, running up the wing, cross it to the back post, and who's there? But Eric Maxim <laughs> Chupamoting to slam home his 30th goal of the season. Like, come on. It's, There's it's something all, very romantic there. Oh, my goodness. It's <laughs> yeah. all setting up. And he's back with uh, Thomas Tuchel, who he, yeah, he was coached by at Mainz. Like, it's all just so beautiful. It could be something glorious. Let uh, it happen. <laughs> yeah, would you really thought that? Two years ago, you'd be talking about <laughs> I think, being a star, star man for PSG. When he, signed, yeah. when he got relegated to the championship with Stoke, yes, it's been weird. But to be honest, if you showed someone two years ago, like Ribéry in a Fiorentina shirt and you know all these yeah, different transfers, right. a lot of people wouldn't even believe you. Um, yeah, football moves in mysterious ways. Oh my goodness, don't <laughs> yeah. you know it? So we're going to talk about the Champions League later on at the end of this episode, but just quickly... Is this PSG squad now, with it losing Neymar and Mbappe out injured for, for a wee while, do you think they're strong enough to really do something in the Champions League? And almost more importantly, is the league as nailed on now with these injuries as it was last year? Thomas, what do you think about this? Yeah, for the league, I still think they, they take it, really. Um, they've got, Mbappe's not out for long. Um, they've just got too much quality for, for most teams. Like we saw against Toulouse, it was Inevitable, really, that goal was coming. Yeah. Um, so the, the, I don't see any any doubt of them not taking the league. Uh, Champions League wise, the I think it's, it's got to be a, a semi final at least. Um, it's just been calamitous um, season after season. Yeah. Uh, in, in the knockout stages, so it, it's really now you know, it's the the Neymar situation is sort of up in the air. But they've they've got players in like uh, Adrissa Gay who. Is he's been brought in really for them Champions League um, knockout games because they, they've lacked that that solid um, sort of rigid base uh, at field um, since obviously Motta left, I think it was. Um, so that that's really, I mean, he did. He was he was he was okay against Toulouse. He didn't really have to do too much, but against the the, the higher pressure situations against the more quality teams that will put PSG. Uh, under more pressure, um, Gay's really uh, a player that they brought in just to just sort of uh, help that help that stop that um, that crumbling uh, that has happened over the last last couple of years. So so far this season, PSG have been lining up with a four three three, and obviously in modern football, your midfield three that's a very important kind of crux of your team. There's a lot of options there for PSG. So assuming that everyone is fit. I want both of yours, your favourite or your preferred midfield three for PSG. I'll give you a, a second to think about it. I'll just go through some of the options you've got. You know, you've got Verratti mm-hmm. and Gay, Julian Draxler, Di Maria can fit in there. Quite a few options. Also Paredes, if he learns how to play football. <laughs> you know, there are, there are options. So, Thomas, what is your preferred middle three for PSG? Yeah, um... I, I know a lot of people don't really like it, but I love Marquinhos playing in, in centre midfield. Same, uh, I though, agree with you so much. It, it, he, he's a he's a he's a brilliant defender, and he was transitioning to midfield, and I thought, yeah, he should be all right. And he was just he was really he was amazing. <laughs> um, 
But obviously with, with Gay coming in, I don't really see that being an option. So it'd probably be Gay, uh, Verratti and... Ooh, I'm not sure who fills that, that third spot. Because really. Verratti and Gay just have so much steel yeah. inside them. Yeah. They just tackle so well. So I feel like maybe, yeah, maybe the some, option. Maybe something like Draxler, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Jake? I'd go for well. I'd similarly go for for Gay and um, and uh, Verratti, but I'd put Sarabia in the third slot because I think he was uh, yeah. very very underrated last season. Um, he played mostly centrally for Sevilla. They, I mean, they were playing a different system, but he played it at centre midfield for a lot of the season. Got um, or at attacking midfield and got um, twenty. I think it was twenty three goals or something in fifty two games, and he was the joint top uh, assists with uh, for La Liga with Messi with thirteen and. And, and we, we, of course, we know and expect him to spend most of his time playing on the wing. But I think with him in, the, in playing in the midfield three and Di Maria being allowed to play on the wing alongside um, um, up top with uh, Cavani and Mbappe, I think that's a pretty, pretty frightening team going, going forward with a bit of steel in midfield as well that PSG need. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say, I, I definitely prefer Di Maria on the wing as opposed to in centre mid. I just think he offers so much more there. Mm. And when he went on a little a little run of, of scoring and assisting towards the end of last season, I believe he was playing on the wing for most of these games, just when he really kind of kicked on and, and kind of started dragging the team forward. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Mets. I, I said that Onji weren't going to be you know, included in this episode, but I've, I've managed to <laughs> wheedle them in very slightly because they played Mets last week. Thomas, what was your impression of Mets in that match? Um, they just really just couldn't do anything. They had a, they had a lot of possession. Uh, Andre sort of given the ball and said, okay, do something with it. And, and Mets just didn't penetrate um, the Andre defence a lot, didn't, didn't test them too much. Um, it was, I think, Nian had an okay game. The, the only real threat they had was from the fullbacks, which um, was concerning um, from the from the get go, really. Uh, but they were take, they were really shown to be, you know, this is a, a league to see um, team that are coming up because Angers were were pretty um, pretty effective, you know, recovering the ball and, and transitioning quickly, and they they made it look quite easy against um, a Met side that that have, has, have started well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my uh, Andre section. <laughs> <laughs> so recently, I've I've been reading into you know XG and XGA and all these kind of different football statistics because uh, you know even like match of the day and stuff have started including them. So I was like, right, I should start reading up and on what they are. So I feel like I've got a grasp of XG. And if we looked at expected goals stats for the Andre match versus Mets, Mets only created a value of zero point one five. That that's. <laughs> absolutely nothing for people that aren't uh, familiar with XG. Do you think that Mets have just, because, you know, they've opened the season with, I believe it was a, a draw and a win, wasn't it? Do you think they've just been quite lucky in their opening two matches, you know, against a calamitous Monaco side and a tired Strasbourg side from all their Europa League fixtures? Do you think we're now going to really start seeing the true colours of Mets and are those true colours grey and black? What do you think about this, Jake? <laughs> I think I, I like that. I think um, <laughs> I think it's a tricky one because it's still quite early to tell. I think Mets have shown moments of quality in in well in the first two games at least. Not yeah. not really at all against Angers. Um, I think if they can 
take the chances that they do create and someone like Abib Diallo is going to be so essential to that, then, yeah. then, then, you know, they got a decent, a decent team and can have a decent go at things. But just in that Andre game, they were just calamitous on the, uh, the counter-attack. They were, they were all out of position. Their heads were gone. It was, it was honestly, it was like deer in the headlights all over the place. They did not know those defenders did not know where to be and, you know, who to, who to track with, track back with. And, um, I think defensively, it's just going to really, it's going to be a really long season for them. And I think, yeah. um, I think unless they really do take those those few chances that they're going to get, then, then yeah, as I say, you know, I, I'm not sure this is the the last three nil that we're going to see, maybe even in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it was always concerned with with Sunzu and and Boy in defence. Um, obviously, two experienced centre backs, but you don't really want them starting <laughs> in Liga. Um, no. It was a uh, it was concerning for him, but uh, I like the game anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have been quite exposed, uh, and you know, with that centre back partnership coming up against the champions, you know, PSG. What do we oh, think God. the score prediction? You know, Jeez. okay, be kind, be kind. Come on, they're, they're a league <laughs> team. They've, they've done something to be here. You've just and talked the about side. yeah. You've, we just talked about Sunzu and, and Boy, and now they're playing against PSG. Thank God Mbappe's uh, Mbappe's injured. <laughs> um, it might be a bit easier to do with with cheaper Moting. Uh, cheaper Moting up against Sunzu. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a, a battle. Um, okay. Score prediction. <laughs> Tom's. Gonna be, uh, I'm going to say three three nil. Jake, what's the record defeat for? Uh, for a, no, no, no. I'm joking. I, I would also go with the, I would also go with a three nil, and I think um, hopefully hopefully a, a cheaper Moting hat trick. But we'll we'll see. Chippemoting hat trick. Oh my god, we riot if there's a Chippemoting hat trick. <laughs> I'm going to go for. I'm actually going to say three one to PSG, Mets or or PSG rather. If you look at their stats for away form, it's horrific. In their last like nine ten games, I think mm. I think they've conceded nineteen goals in that time, and I'm like, Pff. okay, Mets have got to be doing something. You know, if Javi Diallo gets in the end of a lucky cross or they win a penalty, yeah, I'm going to back Mets to at least score. Uh, but I think it will be about 3-1, 3-1, to PSG. And our last match of the episode will be Leon versus Bordeaux. Now, Leon were very poor in midweek. They'll tell it yourself. Do you think this is the, the end of this early season bounce that, you know, you sometimes get under a new manager, under Salvino, or is there more to come from Leon? What do you think about this, Thomas? Yeah, I did mention it, um, I think, preview in the last game. That it was they were, they played at the start of the season they played two teams that were well they were terrible they played Terry against Leon so it's sort of a uh, an open open a sort of a free run for for six points um, so it was concerning when they comes up come up against a team that actually wants to play some football um, and, and challenge them a little bit more but they were it was really. Dull. I mean, it was it was too slow. They just there was Mendes and and Toussaint were picking up the ball, sort of passing it to Awa and sort of leaving him saying, "Oh yeah, right, okay, do something with it, please." <laughs> uh, um, so it, it was concerning for them. Um, I understand Silvino wants to keep Kone and and Dubois back, but them two fullbacks. I mean, Dubois especially a really good um, attacking. You know, he's got. A, Dubois a really, really good, um, good cross of the ball. Kone's uh, really good at, at driving up the pitch. So it just seems strange to me why you would, you would limit them to good fullbacks to 
to give you another option going forward. Um, and you should have more confidence in players like Toussaint, like like uh, Thiago Mendes to to cover your your back line. It's it's a bit con- mm. it was concerning really that yeah that if that, if that continues, it's going to be a, a uh, much easier to to sort of predict um, the attacking movement of of, of Leon. Yeah, do you think we're maybe overreacting a wee bit though? Because they were handicapped for forty minutes with ten men, you know, you know, and going up against like a good team in Montpellier at home, is this more a case of Montpellier being good or or Leon really just drawing a blank? What do you think, Jake? I think it's a, a combination of the two. I'm not, I'm not sure Leon really expected Montpellier to to go at them uh, yeah. quite in the way they did. I thought they were, you know, relatively adventurous for. For um, Michel de Zakarian team, you know, I think they um, um, Leon only really got a foot in the game, or at least in an attacking sense, after the sending off. I think they they didn't quite expect such a kind of um, they 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 struggled to cope with the width of uh, Montpellier with that back five. Yeah. Um, something which I think, as as Thomas was saying, you know, a better better use of the fullbacks, at least in a in a more attacking sense, or playing a bit further up the pitch, would have helped with um, help cope with those numbers. Um, I think, I think overall, it's not a performance to be too worried about. But um, as you say, because as you say, Montpellier are a good side, and they were playing away at Le Mosson. But it's you know it's certainly a wake up call from all those early shouts of um, you know Lyon for the league title. Yeah, I think it was quite a quite a reality check for Lyon. I think this match was more just because of their mentality. I think they went in just expecting to win, probably because they were just off the back of a 6 of a still win yeah. over Angers. Um, I looked at the XG for that match as well, by the way, and I only realised that Lyon had an XG of 1.5 or something like that. Mm. So to score six goals... You don't have to mention it. I had to bring it in. I have to have a bit of Angers. Yeah, that, that, that shows how bad... How bad uh, Onche's defence was in, in Kiko. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, what do you think about Leon defensively? You know, it's I would count this as them still kind of keeping a clean sheet. You know, Suke absolutely just whacked it from, from the edge of the box. It wasn't like they got undone, really. How would you rate their defence in this? Were they solid or did they kind of get undone a couple of times? Something that I noticed a lot was... Montpellier come down the left side with Oyongo and Ferry and Molly, and that kind of caused a lot of issues. But this back four that Leon have set up this season with Dubois, with Anderson, Denier, and Coney, does that look as good now as it did in the first couple of weeks? What do you think about this, Thomas? Yeah, it, it's a when you look at all the players individually, they're all very, um, very accomplished and and good players. But obviously, you've got two two new. Um, two new starting players there in, in Kone and and Anderson. Um, Anderson himself really didn't look. He, he looked really out of place. He was yeah. He was really slow. He just was quite lethargic in his play. Yeah. Um, positionally, he wasn't. It wasn't really. Um, it was all over the place. Uh, it is a concern, but hopefully you'd, you you want to see that that partnership with with Denier, um grow and develop more. Um, but you know, with like like Jake said about the the fullbacks of of uh, wingbacks of Montpellier um, getting forward so much, you sort of wanted Leon to to push on Dubois and, and Coney to press them back um, to sort of stop that happening. Uh, it is a, it is a concern for him. I, I can't believe Suke is. I think he's twenty seven now. It seems like he's 
he's still a young player, uh, but it was, a, it was a great strike from him. Yeah, um, something he's only gonna, you know, he's gonna hit that once out of well, two hundred times, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is um, it's a slight concern for for Leon. Didn't concede too. Oh, they could see quite a, quite a few chances, but not too huge chances. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think they go on to this game at Bordeaux, hoping hoping that they uh, won't be as, as pressured as much. Let's talk about their opponents, Bordeaux. They got their first win of the season last week as they beat Dijon 2-0, but they still didn't look that great. Jake, what have you made of them in this early part of the season? Not convincing. I'm I'm just still not convinced by them or by, by Paolo Sosa at all, at least from a kind of like, um, you know, from a system or a, or a philosophy standpoint. I, I don't know what his what how his teams play i don't know you know the, how how he how he's going to get the best out of the players that he has got because he's got such a eclectic mix of you know not particularly exciting more experienced pros um with the exception of kind of better players like Benoit Costil and um Koscielny and Mexa and um and you know of uh, the obvious kind of more exciting young talents that the team has like uh, Josh Madger and and Kalu and Kamano, if he can can get back into the form that we know he's capable of. But yeah. I just, I'm just kind of lost a bit with Bordeaux as to what the kind of the, what the direction of the club really is. Um, I know Seuss has been frustrated at the the lack of transfers, but even then, you know, I I just think that they've been pretty lackluster since he took over. This was only his fourth win in something like 21 games I think yeah something like that you know and 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 maybe this is a turning point but I'm not entirely convinced I thought they were interesting in the in the the playing of a 3-4-3 with those fullbacks playing as kind of auxiliary wide midfielders um I think that could be the way to go with the the fullbacks that the side has and he he tried this out a few times last season but I just don't know if they have the quality that uh, you know we would expect a club like Bordeaux to have and I think Sosa needs to, to to sort out his ideas pretty quickly and and try to implement some consistency. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's a it's slightly a strange squad. There's such like a rift in like the the ages. You know, if if you look at their centre backs, it's all quite experienced older players with Koscielny and Mexer and, and Pablo Castro. Whereas if you look at their players up front, it, they've got quite a lot of young talent like Kalu and Josh Maja as well as Kamaro's not old either, he's only 23. It's quite a weird squad and I think it's going to take a bit of time to get accustomed to each other and I don't think Paolo Sousa is the manager to do that, but that's a conversation for another day. Let's. I want to do something that we did with the PSG team and select a front three for them because there's essentially if they are going to play this 3-4-3 there's essentially six options that they have to play together at the weekend they played Samuel Kalu, Hwang Yu Jo who is the South Korean yeah there's a South Korean attacker who recently joined and also Nicola de Preville but they've also got players on the bench like George Maja and Jimmy Briand and also Francois Camano so Again, I want your preferred front threes for Bordeaux this season. Three players up front that they know are going to get the goals and really drive them forward when everything seems quite bleak. Thomas, what do you think should be their front three this season? Yeah, if you can get if you can get Kamano in form, then easily he starts uh, on that left hand side. Um, 
Kalu, I have a, a soft up uh, for Kalu, so I'd probably have him on uh, on the right as well. For a centre forward, I think um, De Playville can do well interchanging with um, with the wide players, but uh, they've they've sort of lacked a, a goal scoring striker um, for a while. Briand is is thirty five, maybe thirty four. He's getting on a bit. Huang actually did look quite well against Dijon. Mm, yeah. uh, it was really really good finish. He he, he pulled off. Yeah. Um, you sort of they did play against Dijon and Dijon are looking I mean they're looking like a league the club already. Yeah. Um but it was still a it was still a good finish from uh, for Hang and I think Maja will probably um transition into that starting player but for now uh, somebody like Huang maybe uh at the starting. Jake yeah, I um I'd love to see Josh Madger start as uh, in that central position, but I think it's maybe a little bit too early for that. And, yeah, and as we were saying, I think I agree with Thomas that Huang, you know, Huang looked. I thought that that got, his goal in particular was good, but in general, I think he's looked looked a good acquisition since he's arrived. Um, I know um, a lot of people are big fans of Nicolas de Preville, myself included, but I just think that um, what an inform uh, Camano and and um, what Kalu offer on the wings in terms of pace, in terms of um, potential for goals, I think is um, is pretty special. So, so um, if yeah, if they if Kamano can recover that form, then I'd definitely love to see um, to see um, Kalu, Kamano, and Wang up front for for the time being. Yeah, I I, I agree with both of you. I, I think that Kalu needs to be in there. I think he's probably the player with the highest ceiling. At the moment, you know, he's still only 22. He did show some sparks last season. I think it was a game away to Marseille off the top of my head. I believe he actually got sent off in it. But for like 45 minutes that he did play well, I thought he played really well. And I think he should be the man that they kind of rely on this season. Beside him, I think you just kind of chuck Camaro in the team for as long as it takes and until it sticks. And then I'd probably put... I'm not going to say Joe until we see more of him, but so I'll say Josh Maja. I just think trust in youth, play it until he, until it works out because he's obviously a player with talent. We saw that mm-hmm. at Sunderland and we've seen that in glimpses towards the end of last season and this mm-hmm. season. It's not like he's gone 20 matches and not scored, which is very easy to do at Bordeaux. Like he has come in and got the hand <laughs> and has got a couple of goals. So I think he's the man they should kind of slap in that number nine position. So, gentlemen, Score predictions. Thomas, I'll start with you. Um, obviously, Bordeaux playing similar um, with a, with a, a five at the back, um, with them, them full-backs bombing forward. So if Leon sticks to this, uh, Silvino sticks to this ethos of keeping Dubois and, and Kone back as, uh, as much as possible, I do see concerns for them. But it is it's Bordeaux, so they're a bit so it could be a, a, a close a closer game than some might think. Um probably a, a Leon two one two one victory. Jake. I like that way of summing up Bordeaux. I think that's pretty accurate just, yeah. just at the moment. <laughs> they've, yeah. they've, they've been that for years, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um I think I think yeah, as you were saying, I, I definitely think Bordeaux have attacking potential in this game, um if they play in that system, but I just don't think they they've got quite as good players as uh or quite as good a system as uh, Montpellier. So I'm going to go 3-1 Lyon, um, bouncing back to win at home. Yeah, I'm going to also go for a Lyon win. I'm going to say 
2-0, though. I don't see this Bordeaux team winning, and I think Lyon, especially at home, should get back to a bit better of a defensive shape. And that finishes up the four matches that we were covering in this episode. But today on Thursday, there was some more news, including French clubs and the French national team. Firstly, let's start with the Champions League draw. PSG, Lyon and Lille were the representatives for France. And we'll go through each of the groups quickly and just say what we believe are the, the chances for them. Let's start with the champions. Let's start with PSG. They've been drawn in a group alongside Real Madrid, Galatasaray and Club Bruges. Thomas, what do you think about PSG's chances in this group? I think they've got to get... Well, I don't see um, too much difficulty with them. Obviously, the Real Madrid is the is the big the big matchup in the group, uh, sort of like it was um, last season with Liverpool. Um, but uh, I do like I do like Club Bruges. I like what they're doing with their um, with their recruitment um, and signings. Uh, Galatasaray. I mean, they've signed Adil Rami, so that sort of sums up where they are. <laughs> <at the moment. laughs> hey, he's um, a Champions League player these days. Don't you talk about <laughs> World Cup winner? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a fairly easy group to for PSG to get through. But obviously, everybody's looking towards them. And two games um, home and away against Madrid. Yeah. Do you think they can beat Madrid, Thomas? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, if you look a couple of seasons ago when they lost in the knockout stage, if you look at that that PSG squad compared to the one they've they've got now, um, depending on where what that happens with the Neymar situation, but Madrid are, um, are sort of a little bit all over the place at the moment. Mm. Um, when's the when's the first game? It's probably going to be. Um, sometime in keep talking and I'll try and take <laughs> it out <laughs> yeah um, but it should be a, a, a pr- pretty interesting game between both clubs um, obviously you've got the, the Neymar situation will he won't he go to mm. Barcelona it looks like um, Madrid were were sort of sniffing around but it looks more likely uh, that it's going to be it's going to be Barcelona if he does go anywhere um, so it's I think Obviously, did they have Mbappe when they played Real Madrid last time? I don't think they did, did they? I think, don't uh, think so. No, no, didn't have him. So, so um, it'll be interesting to see Mbappe face face uh, a Madrid side that he did. I think he did follow when he was a when he was a, a kid. Um, so it'll be a big matchup for 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 PSG, and, and it'll be really a, a test to see how will they do. Um, Why is it so hard to find the schedule for this? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I cannot... F- no, it did get released because I, I saw Leon's and I'm trying to find... Oh, um, let me try and look for this two seconds. Let me find <laughs> well, this. well e- either way, it, I mean, it could be. It would be amazing, wouldn't it, if there was some sort of incredible U-turn in the Neymar story and he did end up at Madrid. I mean, oh, can no. you imagine? That would be... <laughs> My word, yeah. Yeah. That would be yeah. easy. Okay, yeah. okay. I've got the schedule. I've got the schedule. I got it. <laughs> this is Real Madrid's schedule, but it tells me when the PSG matches are as well. So... Um, 18th of September. Wow, so Mbappe will miss the first match. Mm. Probably. PSG host Real Madrid in the first match on the 18th of September. Ooh. Oh, wow, that changes things. Super motting. Super motting getting marked by Varane and Ramos. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. Super motting will probably actually start in that match. That's insane. Potentially, uh, yeah, because I think Cavani, you know, Cavani, there's question marks over whether he'll. He'll be back by then as well, I would imagine. I think yeah, he's a few absolutely. weeks out, so yeah, yeah. could happen. Wow. <laughs> so, 
I I think they'll probably finish second. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I would probably agree with that. I think it depends kind of if Zidane does manage to get a bit of magic back into Madrid. Um, as Thomas was saying, they look a bit all over the place at the moment, to be honest. And I still maintain that it was probably a mistake for him to go back there. I'll I'll eat my words maybe later on in the season. <laughs> but I think um, I think despite the recruitment, I think unless they start finding a bit of form and a bit of consistency, there's there's a chance for PSG there. But it all depends on whether the Neymar size shadow goes away and whether um, yeah, as I say, whether Madrid finds some consistency. Otherwise, I would expect um, I would expect them to finish in second. Lyon will be in a group with Zenit St. Petersburg, RB Leipzig and Benfica. You know, that that's some some prestigious clubs in there. You know, mm. I don't really see any weak link in there. Lyon have got quite the job on their hands, don't they, Jake? Yeah, they do. It's a um it's one of those groups where every team looks of a pretty a pretty similar level. Um uh, which we t- we tend to get one of those every year pretty much a sort of group of death for the kind of less slightly less top tier clubs if you like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I'm, if we're talking about the madrids and the barces and the the bayerns but um yeah the, it's a it's a it's a group full of talent you know with um especially young coaches such as you've got nagelsmann at leipzig and um mm-hmm. bruno large who's done an amazing job at benfica it remains to be seen how good they are now that um that joao felix has moved on but i think it's going to be a i think it's going to be tough you know i think i think every team in that group will be looking at it thinking that we've got a chance of of qualifying and i think um I think if all goes well for Leon, I think they have a decent chance of winning the group. But otherwise, I think um, I think I think second could be where they uh, could be where they end up. Thomas, can they get out of this group? Yeah, it, it depends really on how prepared Silvino will be with the squad going into this, because mm-hmm. it's not something he's really faced before. Um, you've got a tough a tough away game at, at Zenit. Obviously, Leipzig are um, a real uh, up and, not up and coming team, but a, a team that have a lot of momentum. Um, it looks like behind them, uh, especially with Nagelsmann coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll, they'll. I, I, I reckon they, they should be able to to get through this group, but it depends on how how Silvino um, does does sort of set up because I I doubt you can have. I'm going to say a better game out of the fullbacks, but I doubt you can have Kone and, and Dubai just sitting there, um, staying back against against these kind of teams because they'll, they'll punish you yeah. for it. Yeah, the good yeah. thing about this is they still have a couple of weeks to kind of yeah, them exactly. to work out how they want to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leon's program for this will be their first match is a home match against Zenit, but that means that they will have a wow. quite difficult away trip to Zenit deep into the winter on the twenty seventh of November. Do you think the 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 weather in Russia could affect that match? You know, coming from sunny Leon to cold Saint Petersburg. <laughs> Do you think that Memphis Depay of one can can deal with that cold, Jake? <laughs> uh, well, that is a question, isn't it? I think um, we've seen Lyon struggle against Russian opposition in in recent years. You know, there was that tie against um, Seska Moscow that they they definitely definitely should have won in the Europa League a couple of years back, and and but although they ended up bottling that at home, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. I, I think it will be difficult. I think a lot of it depends on whether they can set the tone with that with that first game against Zenit, I think you've got to look at that and think that's, that's probably, probably the game, the easiest game to win, you know, Zenit at mm. home in that group and, 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 and a, a must win, I would argue if you want to set the tone for, for winning yeah. that group and for, for getting a bit of momentum, as you say, going into the, the, the winter ahead of uh, that game 
uh, in Zenit. Let's move on to the final French team in the competition, which will be Lille. Uh, after they finished second last season, miraculously under Christophe Galtier, they'll be in Group H, and like Lille, they also have quite a difficult group. Not any obvious weak link. They'll be up against Chelsea, Ajax and Valencia. Who should they be aiming to take points off in this group, Jake? Well, hopefully not my beloved Chelsea is the, uh, <laughs> is the short answer. But no, on a serious note, I think I think it's going to be, you know, it's amazing that Lille are where they are and I think they have a decent, you know, a relatively decent group compared to some other groups. I think I think Valencia have had an okay start to the season, but they're a um, they've they're a team that potentially Lille could be looking at um, getting getting points off. The same for same for Ajax, maybe at home. You know, they've had a summer where they've lost a couple of really big players in in De Ligt and De Jong. They only um, scraped into the group stage as well. Yeah, I think they, they well, only yeah. barely beat Apoel last night. Yeah, exactly. So um, so they're a team that maybe Christophe Galtier is looking at and thinking that he can get points off them. Even Chelsea, to be honest, have looked a little bit shaky, certainly defensively so far. Um, but I think, you know, I think Lille will consider themselves massive underdogs in this group and it will be um, it will be very, very difficult for them to progress. But, you know, exciting for them to be be in amongst such um, such opposition, I think. Yeah, I feel like we're looking at it with very league-tinted glasses. I feel like... Chelsea fans, Ajax fans and Valencia fans will all be looking at Lille as the weak links in this competition because Lille haven't been one of the kind of stalwarts sure. yeah. of, the, of the top of yeah. Ligue 1 over the last two or three years. But will that work in Lille's favour, Thomas? Do you think they'll quite like being the underestimated team that can then surprise teams with Yassizi, with Osim Hen, with Bamba and Ikone? Yeah, certainly. I think the, the, the big story surrounding Lille for... for for sort of um, foreign media was obviously the transfer of, of, of Nicola Pepe and he was a, a huge player for, for them. So maybe um, foreign supporters look at that and say, oh, they've lost their, their main man, really. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously lost Liao as, as well. Uh, it is true in a way, but they've obviously replaced them pretty well. You can always um, rely on uh, Campos to do that. And our Simhens really hit the ground running. Mm. Um, Bombers look uh, very good. Yuzicha uh, in his in his games has looked in is sort of his um, when when he's when he's come on and when he's when he's played he's looked um, pretty impressive so it, it's one to watch out and obviously Chelsea's defense is, isn't looking particularly <laughs> uh, stable let's say um, <laughs> but I think Lille could be a sort of a shock team um, uh, in the group really yeah yeah they... I think it's I think they mustn't be. Um... I think I think they will be underestimated, and I think that that may well end up working working yeah, for just, their advantage just a little off. bit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's sort of a like you said. It's they'd, they'd be happy to be in the Champions League um, with such you know prestigious clubs um, they're playing against. So they just got to really go for it and try and uh, and try and um, give give these the teams real issues. I think they think if they, if they if they do that and Galtier doesn't doesn't set them up too too deep and too defensive. Uh, they'll cause a lot of issues. So it should be exciting games um, for, for Phil Hill in the Champions League. Yeah, I, th- I think they have the potential to kind of do an Ajax or what Ajax did last season with so many great young players and then two or three older players that can kind of hold them mm-hmm. together. You know, like Andre, for instance. 
I think they do have the potential to do that. Uh, they begin with an away trip to Amsterdam, actually, for this leg, for this group. I'm sure they would have probably preferred a home leg, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Where do you, where do you see them finishing in this group, Thomas? Um, I think probably just about. I'm trying to going to be single. Probably say about about third. Um, but that that first game against Ajax, whatever they really produce there, um, sets them up. If, if they do have a a really good game against Ajax, um, and get get you know a good one point or or th- even three points out of it, you could s- sort of see them going on to to uh, get through that group. Um, mm. If it's a if it's not a great performance and they look like they're a bit out of the depth um, for a squad with a, a lot of new players, then you can see them just sort of uh, fizzling out and finishing fourth or third. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, I agree with Thomas there. I think um, I think they're they're a little bit of an unknown quantity on the European yeah. stage. Well, very much so actually. When you think about the three teams in their group, you know, Valencia got to the Europa League semis last year. Chelsea obviously won it, and uh, and Ajax, of course, had their incredible run to the Champions League semi-finals. So, so um, I think it's going to be really tough from an experience point of view. But then, you know, we've seen that work to teams' advantages in the past. So I think an optimistic third is where I'm uh, I'm putting Lille. Yeah, uh, oh, I'd, I'd so love if if they got through it, but I'll probably say third as well. I just I think there's too many difficult matches in there. Mm. I think they really need a. Uh, not to be disrespectful to these teams, but they need a, a Bruges, they need an Anderlecht, they need some, they need a whipping boy that they can just go and get three points yeah. off of. Sorry yeah. if there's any, I feel like I just ripped into Belgium there. Sorry if there's any Belgium <laughs> listeners now, but you know, I feel like that's who they need. Or if I'm going Scottish, they need a Celtic or they need a, a something like that. You know, I'll rip into myself as well, rip into my nation. <laughs> uh, lastly, let's talk about the national teams call-ups. Uh, Didier Deschamps announced his squad for the upcoming matches against Andorra and Albania. Uh, I asked the guys before we were recording to pick one player that they'd replace in this squad. Thomas, who did you choose? Yeah, I chose uh, Moussa Dembele. Um, it was a, such a surprise. He's not really got. He's he's been in. He's he's been in the, the youth teams in in France for for a long while now, and it's strange to see him still playing um, in the under twenty ones up until fairly recently. Um, it's really strange. How you look at look at France's lineup, and you think they probably need a, a striker to come in um, after you know Giroud's getting getting old now. He's still he's been a he's been a great servant for them, but it's. Eventually, it'll be time to transition out. You know, we've got Sebastian Aller as well, who's a, another potential candidate. Mm-hmm. But somebody like Moussa Mbele, who's who was in lightning form for for Leon um, at the second half of last season, he's he started well um, as well. He's he's sort of the, I think everybody sort of admits it now. He's he's the future France starting striker. Um, really gets up good areas. He's really different and dynamic with with his his threat. It can come from anywhere. Really. He's, Good, really good in the air. Um, he's good getting onto through goal, through balls. He takes up really good uh, positions in the box and gets a lot, of, a lot of shots, um, a lot of shots in the box. He's, it's, it's sort of Deschamps halting his progression into that, into that French squad, which is inevitable, really. Uh, and if you're going to uh, go to the Euros, which are, are not really long away, um, you need to get somebody like Dembele into that squad now, um, ready for. For to really start in them Euros because that's where I see him. That's where I see him um, 
in, in that team next year. Who would you put them in place of? You know, players in that position are Wissam Ben Yedder, Antoine Griezmann, um, Olivier Giroud. Uh, the other players are kind of wingers and centre attacking mids. Um, who would you put them in place of? Griezmann, Giroud, or Ben Yedder? Yeah, it'd be it'd most likely be uh, Giroud. They've got kind of a similar profiles as, as strikers. Um, fairly different, really. Ben Yedder has gone to Monaco, so he's national career will be over and so <laughs> so maybe maybe you put him in for, for Ben Yedder there because like I said you need you need him to really transition to into the French squad now so even though yeah but Ben Yedder is a, is a really good player um Dembele is the future star so you may as well really um get him into there and he's obviously he knows he knows a lot a lot of the players that, that are in the squad already and that that Leon that Leon team really is providing you know Probably half of the starting lineup in uh, in a few years. You see, Underbelly is going to come in there within a year or so and be and be starting. Uh, Awa, Toussaint maybe uh-huh. with this good form. Um, but yeah, certainly, certainly, Underbelly should be should be there. Jake, who was your choice to to take out and to put in? Oof, well, my choice, as much as it pains me again as a as a Chelsea fan, is to it would be to take out Kurt Zuma. I, I think. Um... I think he he is a very very good defender and he's still got a lot of potential. You know he's still only um, twenty three twenty four. Um, in he's had injury setbacks, you know, and unsuccessful loan spells, and he's got potential. And I know Deschamps is a fan and he's had good games for France before, but I just think this season in the last few games he's been poor, and a lot of Chelsea fans are, are, are clamouring for him to be out of the um, out of the starting eleven as much as as much as we love him. And I just think I know. Um, I understand um, Deschamps' reasoning for for leaving out someone like Samuel Umtiti. Um, you know he's had injury problems and also loss of form, and he's not a guaranteed starter at Barcelona anymore. Um, obviously, Clément Longley is alongside um, Gerard Piquet, and he's um, he's obviously in the squad. Um, but I just think um, purely on quality as well as yeah, well, mostly quality, at least quality. Kind of um, going back in the recent couple of years, then I would have gone for gone for someone like Umtiti or given the slot to a to another young a younger French centre-back um, um, you know there's a plethora of young French centre-backs in the Bundesliga for example who'd be vying for a spot there um, the other one I thought of as well was um, you know it's great to see Leo Dubois in the squad again he's been in it before obviously and played but um, I still think that Kenny Lala from Strasbourg should be given a chance he was the best mm-hmm. right back in the division last year um, and um, you know, so good going forward, and I think it just would have been really interesting to see him, and and, and nice, you know, and well deserved for for someone his age. Um, um, yeah, and ha- you know, in the recent form that he's been in, to 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 get a go in the national team and to get a call up and potentially a chance to play. Yeah, absolutely. I feel with with the centre back position with the French national team, no matter who Didier Deschamps chose, there would always be outrage because there are just so many good players you could choose. There's yeah. so many options. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And you talk about younger players playing in the Bundesliga, you know, like Zagadou and Upamasano. And if you look deeper in that, I, I know he's injured, but like, you know, Saliba. And there's so many play, good French centre-backs come through the now. It, I, I feel like a, a broken record because it's a topic that's been talked about before, but <laughs> the strength of the French kind of core right now. But yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean about Kurt Zuma, but he's he is kind of the the teacher's pet. I feel with sure. the French national team, he yeah. always just seems to be there. Um, my choice for someone to take out and replace quite quickly was 
I don't watch a lot of Serie A, so I'm going off what other people said. So if he has had an absolute Ballon d'Or winning performance last season, and I was just ignorant of that, <laughs> forgive me. But Steven and Zonzi, you know, it just, it just doesn't fill me with that much confidence. I think I feel there's other players to put in that position, like you know Benjamin Andre at Lille. I, I was talking to Nathan a couple of weeks ago on the show and just talking about how underrated he is. Other players like Lucas Toussaint, you know. Leon has does have a couple good sentiments you could put in there. I know it's a different type of player, but how did Hussein Awar not get into this team? Oh my goodness! Mm. <laughs> I feel like he's another player like Dembele that's just been held back. And he's twenty one. I feel like he's ready for the national team. Yeah, and it's a shame yeah. to not see him fully integrated. I, I saw someone on Twitter talking about he might fully just change to Algerian um, nationality for it because wow. you know he's just waited so long, like. I wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of gets fed up with it. You know, he's he's coming up to 100 matches for Leon. He's only 21. Just put him in the team. Sure. Oh, you know. But again, it's tough because there's so many good players in centre. Yeah. Like, would he get, for me, get ahead of Matuidi and, and Toledo and Pogba? Probably not. Suzoko, maybe. <laughs> um, is a different type of player. But I understand. It is tough. Yeah. I'd probably put yeah. him ahead of Ikone, though. I do love Ikone, but I think he's better than Ikone. Um, yes. loads of people are agree. angry at that Econi decision um, yeah. but that pretty much wraps this episode up thank you very much for listening again thank you very much for joining myself Thomas and Jake you can get more information on French football by going to getfootballnewsfrance.com and you can also find us on Twitter at GFFN thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week with the next episode of the GFFN preview show <laughs>